in 2018, our business tripled. Mm. We went from $710,000 a year in 2017 to 2.1 million in 2018. And that was because of Chadwick Bozeman mm. and the Breakfast Club. Yes. So he went on the Breakfast Club and basically did a three minute commercial for African ancestry. We were not friends. We met once in 2009 when wow. he took the test. And it was just like, hey, nice to meet you. And there was before Jackie Robinson and Thurgood and all right. Of those, right? Wow. And he went on that platform the week that he was doing all the press for Black Panther and talked about AfricanAncestry.com and made it very clear that he wasn't talking about any other dot-coms, AfricanAncestry.com. Mm. And then the Breakfast Club let us use that as a clip Wow! in advertising. And our business tripled. He didn't have to do that. Hey everybody, welcome back to the More Rounds Podcast, and I'm Kim Lewis, CEO and co-founder of Chromix. Today, you guys, we have one of my faves here, Gina Page from AfricanAncestry.com. This woman has helped over a million African-American people find their, their connection to Africa, the diaspora. Am I saying this correct? I'm saying it. So Gina, to me, she holds our history, and it's something so special because you can't get that anywhere else telling you what tribe. So I found out that I'm Yoruba and my husband's uh, from Cameroon. And I just was like, I cried when I found out. I didn't think I was going to be that emotional, but I was incredibly emotional when I found out. And, you know, I feel like, man, I sell hair care products, but Gina, like, will tell you who you are. Um, do you know who you are? Anyway, <laughs> um, Gina, tell us about yourself. Tell us about AfricanAncestry.com. Tell us about what it is that you do. Oh, and before we get started, cheers. Cheers. Congratulations. It's a pleasure to be here with you, finally. <laughs> um, so, Kim, as you kind of said, we we help people reconnect to who they are. We're, we're really in the identity business. So, technically, African ancestry is the pioneer of genetic ancestry tracing for black people all around the world. Mm. So, before there were any of the companies that you see heavily marketed, we were the only ones in the marketplace um, who were focused on helping black people transform the way we view ourselves and the way we view Africa. And so we've chosen to do that through DNA. And as you said, we're the only company uh, that can give you the present-day African country and ethnic group that you share ancestry with. Ooh. And, you know, black folks, our, our lineage has been stolen from us. And so a lot of us just... We just don't know and we'll never know unless we take your test, like where we come from. Right. So that's so powerful. Okay, how did you land on AfricanAncestry.com? Where did you get started? And, you know, walk me through that. And then I'll, I'll pop in with my questions about how did you fund that along the way. But how did you get started? So I have a business partner, Dr. Rick Kittles. He's a geneticist. And he had this database of African DNA lineages he had the ability to provide the information to folks, but he was doing the work as a researcher. Mm. And so, and it was personally driven. He wanted to know where he was from. And when he realized um, that he could do it for other populations, he could identify ancestry for other populations, then he focused on doing it 
for African people of African descent. So he was part of uh, where did you get the funding to do that research? You know, I don't know. Mm. He did that before we created the company. Okay. So he was part of a team in the late nineties from Howard university that went to the New York African burial ground. Mm. And this was, uh, an enslaved cemetery that was unearthed when they were excavating land to build a federal building. So they had wow. to stop the excavation. And his job on that team was to identify the bones. Oh. So the ancestry of the bones. So, of course, that made the media. And then when the community found out that he could do that for these bones, he was inundated with requests to do it for them. And wow. so that started the I the notion that this could be a business, that there was a demand for this. And so he and I were introduced, and I commercialized his research. Mm. So we already had the our core competency, this database that already existed. Gotcha. So how did you go about bringing this to market? Like, was it just like, I got a cousin, it's like, hey, girl. I'll drink to that. <laughs> go ahead, take a sip, take a sip. <laughs> I'll take one, too. So... How did we bring it to market? Well, I was fresh out of corporate America and product management. So I had experience with launching new products and line extensions. And so it was sort of like, hey, girl, the, my, the people who were our um, package design people when I worked at Sarah Lee I was like hey I need a logo I need some help with this pat you know the way this packaging should look and then you know my friends who were CPAs I need some help so I leaned on my cousin built websites I leaned on everybody that I knew that I had worked with before or family um, to bring it to market but you know, the biggest challenge wasn't the operations of it, because that's pretty straightforward. Yeah. The biggest challenge was the awareness, building awareness and education. Mm. And that's still the biggest challenge today. So the, the ch it hasn't it hasn't gotten any easier. You know, but I want to back up because a lot of people think, you know, I don't have no money to start my business or I don't have this and that. You had a network. So, like, sometimes I think people's experience in corporate is their startup money, is their first money in because it's like I was launching products for how, how many business, 10 years? How many, were you, how yeah, long? 10 you, years. 10 years. You were launching products for 10 years. You had made friends who were CPAs. You had friends who could build your website. You had friends like this is money. Like, you know what I'm saying? There's money in your network. So if you think that you don't have nothing, look around you. Look who's willing to help you. Someone that you've helped in the past, maybe they're willing to do you a solid too. Okay. And we only took $1,200 to start the company. Because, again, the database, which is our, our main asset, mm -hmm. already existed. Mm -hmm. Another thing I have to say, because, you know, people talk about when we listen to um, communities that don't look like us and how they were able to bootstrap, bootstrap. They had <laughs> bootstrap a oh lot of friends and family, right? Yeah. And that came in the form of cash. But like my parents invested in it in letting me live with them for free. Right. You know, not not charging me rent. So I was I did benefit from that in some way, not a direct outlay of cash, but the ability to 
not have a major expense while we were while we were growing the business. That's dope. And so, how old were you about this time? Um, two thousand and three. I was thirty twenty. Oh my gosh! <laughs> no, you know I was thirty. I can't do the math. I was thirty two. No, oh, wait. In two thousand three, twenty years ago. Jenny, you know, I don't, I was 30, <laughs> I was 36, 20 years ago, I was 36. And that's how much you believed in this because some people after a certain age, they're like, I'm not going back to live with my parents. I don't care what it is. Yeah. So, you know, that's like, <laughs> I, I was one of those people, but no, I, you know, you do what you got to do. And how long did you do that for? Before I you could like pay them. yourself comfortably and like move out. Well, I moved out four years later. Okay. Okay. I mean, four years is still a long time, though. And I was paying myself before I moved out, so I was comfortable. <laughs> but, actually, but you know what? Stay think, with you guys. Think about if you had to move four years into curl mix. I mean. If you didn't have to, yeah. you would. Because the idea of moving while you're trying to build something, not forget about the finance, it's just the time yeah, exactly. and the attention. So Exactly. It was more of that. Watching on YouTube, unfortunately, is not enough. If you've learned anything from my podcast, please, please, please leave me a review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. I would be so appreciative and you would help further the progress of this podcast. Now back to the episode. So you bring the market, you bring it to market in 20... 2003. 2003. Okay, 20. Not 2003. Okay. <laughs> you bring it to market in 2003 and you're just profitable instantly. Your cash flow positive instantly? Yeah. Well, yes, we were. Wow. I don't want to give the impression that we had a lot of cash flow, though. <laughs> well, you but know. Yes, the, but here's, yes, because we priced the kits so that each one paid for itself. And again, we had the database. So we weren't, and, and I was working from home. So we didn't have any overhead. Mm, I we love have, this. Yeah, we have very little investment and very little overhead. And so we were profitable. And did you ever get into a point where we don't have enough cash to do the next to take it to the next level? Or we didn't, you know what I mean? So like the first few sales out the gate, okay, we're profitable, we got cash flow. Like, is there ever a point where you're like, we need more money? <laughs> yeah. Yes, every day. <laughs> um, so, okay, Kim, so let's let me say this. It was also a different time. Like, if you think about 20 years ago, so much of what we do now and what we use now didn't exist. Yeah. I mean, the internet, for real, for real. Yeah. E-commerce wasn't, wasn't the thing that it is now. No, at all. And so... Um, That's so true. So how are you actually buying your product? Cause it, no, we were, we were online and we had a website, but it wasn't... I don't know. Did we even have Facebook then? I, like there weren't these. It was like banner ads and mm. stuff like that. Just digital marketing was very different. Yeah. Um, and also, I have to say that I come to this from a marketing perspective, uh, though my career is in product management. And so I wasn't paying that close attention to the finances. Like accounting used to make me cry in business school. <laughs> Shout out to Mary Guyton. If it wasn't for Mary Guyton, I wouldn't have made it through accounting. <laughs> so, you know, you, you lean towards what is comfortable for you. Yeah. And so I didn't really pay that much attention to I just knew, you know, we had money. We could pay the bills. I, I can't say I was very Kim Lewis about it. Girl, you sound better than Kim Lewis, cash flow positive and profitable <laughs> in the, from the start. That was not my story. So that's dope to me. Yeah. Yeah. 
Okay, and so you're basically, this is 2003. You're right. I'm like, Facebook didn't really exist until like 06. So you're doing banner ads on what, Google? No, we weren't doing banner AOL? ads. So we weren't, that's, that, we didn't do, we were grassroots. So we did a lot of grassroots marketing. Give me an example. What's we invested in PR. Okay. So that was our main marketing vehicle. And then we reached out to um, organizations, churches. Oh, wow. Um, to do presentations. So we would, I would go and present on African ancestry and then have it be a whole program that then the people in the organization would buy the kits. So it's very much word of mouth, very much grassroots. Even our first celebrity, like we got, we were called the 21st century roots Mm. by the media. That's what they were calling us. So we were like, well, if we're the 21st century roots, then Kunta Kinte needs to know where he's from. Mm. So we got to LeVar Burton and he took the test. And so opportunities like that were really what helped. We got a lot of media up front, and that helped significantly. And then I cold called the Pan-African Film Festival and asked them if they had any events during the festival where they might want to reveal people's ancestries. And that's how we started with um, them and getting celebrities like Isaiah Washington and Vanessa Williams and Taraji P. Henson and people like that. So it was a lot of networking and um, grassroots efforts. And then the other thing we had, Kim, was the Africa Channel. Okay. So the Africa Channel was a startup around the time that we were a startup. And so we created a lot of content with them, which helped significantly. Okay. So I just want our listeners to understand how this works. And then I'm going to ask my questions about like the celebrities and things like that. But, you know, so people are like, some people, I see some of the comments on the ads. They're like, there's no way she can do this. Like, those, how does she have this data? Like, there's no, she's, they're lying. They're giving you fake results. You know what I'm saying? Can you, and I'm like, I know Gina. Gina, if there's one thing Gina ain't is a liar. She's going to tell you the truth whether or not you want to hear it. Okay. So what, how do, how are you confidently able to tell me that I am part of the Yoruba tribe? You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I'm Yoruba mm-hmm. or you know, Nigerian, something like that. So... My business partner, the geneticist, spent 10 to 12 years compiling a database of African genetic lineages. Mm. And we have the largest database of African genetic lineages in the world. The lineages that we have are from 35 countries and 400 ethnic groups. These country, the majority of these countries and the majority of these ethnic groups we know from him working with historians and anthropologists were the groups that contributed to the transatlantic slave trade. Mm. So we couldn't do this work if we didn't have a solid data set upon which we do comparisons. Okay, that's the first thing. And no, uh, the other companies in the industry, they don't even have 3,000 African samples. We have over 30,000. So they just reading your horoscopes. (laughs) <laughs> and I wonder if you see those same comments on their ads. But anyway, girl, you know, you don't. But so then cool. when it comes to the person, we each inherit half of our DNA from our mother and half from our father. So think about it. If your mother's yellow and your father's blue, then you're going to be green. Yes. OK. There's a little bit of DNA that you've inherited from your mother that stays yellow. It never changes. And mm. that's called mitochondrial DNA. 
It's maternally inherited. So you and your siblings have the exact same mitochondrial DNA as your mother and her siblings and your grandmother and her siblings and her mother and her mother for generations. Biology 101 tells us that mitochondrial DNA is passed from mother to child and it doesn't change. So we go to our database. Well, we take your DNA you swab your cheek, you swabbed your cheek. We unlocked the code of your mitochondrial DNA. That's it, nothing else. And then we compare it mm. to mitochondrial DNA from all over the world. And when we find people who have your exact same mitochondrial DNA, you have to share ancestry. That's not us, that's biology. Mm. That's good. And so that's how it works. And and we are confident because of the size of our data set, because we know that we have populations that contributed to the slave trade, and because it's been tested and the research has been peer-reviewed. So that's how we're confident. Mm, and peer-reviewed is like the best kind, because, I mean, someone else came to poke around and say, ah, what about this, what about this? And they're like, you know, no, we agree with this. This is, this is good science. Right. That's wonderful. Okay. Whew. All right. <laughs> so you have just been. So tell me, you raised this, you, you brought from your network to get the business off the ground. Then you started doing a lot of grassroots efforts to, you know, and you're basically profitable and cash flow positive from day one. Did you ever try to raise money for your business? We've never tried to raise money. Mm, do you want to? Yes. Mm, how much, like, how much you want to raise? <laughs> Don't put it out there. You never know who's in yeah, the audience. I, well, you know? you know, I mean, we we need to raise. Girl, listen, it depends, <laughs> right? So we're open to all amounts. Okay. We're open to hundreds of thousands and we're open to millions. Okay. It, the amounts will enable us to do take the business in different directions. Mm. So, Like if we were to innovate on the science side which would require extensive research. It would require additional um, DNA collection. That becomes quite expensive um, versus if we were going to just try and build our community, you know, try and get a curl mix community going and, <laughs> and um, increase awareness for our product. So have you ever gone after any like bank loans or, lines of credit, any of this kind of stuff, how, how, how do banks treat? Because I was going to ask you, like, technically, what is your industry? You know what I mean? Because I don't know that I can. Girl, we are one of those generic NAICS codes, like 812990 other services. Like, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, we, and we, NAICS is N-A-I-C-S for anyone who doesn't know what that means. It's like how the government categorizes different types of businesses. Yeah. And usually they have a very simple, you know, retail or manufacturing or blah, blah, blah. Gina was like, girl, we other. They don't know. We don't know. Yeah, we <laughs> definitely. We're in personal services. We're, and there's one for genealogy. Okay. Genealogical research. That's not what we do, but we just take the other that's related to that. Okay. So, um, you know, the, the road to banking has been quite interesting, Kim. We had, at one point, we had like $300,000 in cash just sitting in the bank. Mm. I didn't know. So I wasn't relying on, I wasn't tapping into those networks that could tell me what to do with that. Yeah. Um, and so I went to Bank of America at the time, but I didn't have a business banker. I just went into the bank. And they were asked to ask for a line of credit. And they were like, ha, ha, ha. Really? I, oh yeah, it was it was so offensive. It was just wait a minute, but why? What was what, what was their reasoning? Your cash flow positive, your profit, it, you have it, money in the bank. Exactly in their bank. I don't know. 
So then maybe like a couple years after that, we got a business banker. And so then she helped us to get at Bank of America. So then she helped us to um, position ourselves to, you know, have all the documentation and all that. Um, and then she left and she went to PNC. So we went with her to mm, PNC. Okay. Um, and she kept trying to get us to go for this loan and or this line of credit. And I'll just say this. It's important that both business partners, let me take a step back, everyone who has more than 20% ownership be aligned and be willing to participate in order for you to get the funds. Mm. Do you have other owners besides you and your business partner? Not that have more than 20% okay. ownership. There's a third. My mother has um, some ownership too. Gotcha, 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 gotcha. So that has been our challenge. And now, so then she left PNC and went to Chase. And we waited for a year. Um, our accounting team wasn't very bullish on Chase. <laughs> and so we waited for a year. And then we followed her to Chase. And she's got it there sitting waiting for us. But again, it takes everyone who has ownership to to mm. get the money. So how long have you been in business, Gina? 20 years. I was going to say it's been 20 years, right? So in those 20 years, you know, cash flow positive, profitable. And yes, maybe you feel like you've been growing a little slower than you would like. But looking back, would you do anything differently? Regarding what? Funding, the business, entrepreneurship, ownership, all of the things. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because I'm, I'm, I'm seven years in, and I'd be like, huh. I mean, I have no regrets, but there might have been some slightly different decisions. I could have seen how I could have made. Like, for example, I used to think that you could raise money. You could only raise money once in a year. I didn't realize that after you raise your first million, if someone offers you a check giving you a double your valuation in the next three days, you can take it. You know what I'm saying? Or the next three months or six months. I thought you had to wait every year to raise to have a full calendar of your financials. That was so silly. and But no one told me anything different. So mm -hmm. I just thought that's what you were supposed to do, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I'm wondering if you have any experiences like that where it's like, I kind of wish I had done this. Or maybe you do wish you had raised money sooner. Or, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Or maybe no because it's giving the brand more validity that we haven't and we're not pressured to sell your debt. You know what I mean? So, yeah. like, what are your thoughts? So I many I do many things differently. But as it relates to uh, what we're talking about, I think I would have, I know I would have used our board differently. So we have a board, but I didn't really use them effectively. Wait, why do you have a board? You didn't raise any money. You just wanted one? Because we're a C-Corp. Okay. And so we had a board to be aligned with the... Interesting. So how big is your board? Four people. Really? And so I'm assuming you and your business partner are on it? Well, it's four plus us. So then we have four other people from, you know, someone from um, entertainment, someone in the science field, someone in finance. So we tried to... Maybe that's why you've been cash flow pro uh, positive and profitable this whole time. Because <laughs> we you had oversight. Well, no, because you had oversight. So ah. somebody to be like, don't do that. That's a bad idea. Do this, do this, you know. Yeah. So like how often are you guys meeting? Because typically, you know, when you take money, they have strict requirements about these board meetings and how they're supposed yeah. to flow, you We're know. Very, we, we don't meet regularly gotcha. at all. Okay. So that's something I would do differently. And we are. So we are now uh, revisiting that, revisiting our bylaws, revisiting our operating agreement, and being very even more strategic now 
as to who we need and who can help us get to where we want to go um, on the board. The other thing I think I, I would have definitely considered raising money sooner. But, you know, I, so before to be able to do that, though, Kim, I would have grown my staff. Um, that's that's something I would have done differently the way I grew my staff. Um, we haven't had a marketing we, we didn't have a marketing person until like 2020. Mm. So I was doing it. Mm. And I mean, as you know, I had TSP on my side for for a few years. Yeah. Um, but you need somebody who that's 15 years of you doing it, though. Right. Yeah. You need somebody who can do it so that you can focus on being the CEO and go and go and raising the money. I was on your master class and I heard yeah. what you said. <laughs> um, your job is to is to get the money. So I would have staff differently. Mm. Okay. Yeah. That's good to know. That's really good to know. And then that would have that would have given me the freedom to do to look for money, to think about ways for us to grow, and to be more proactive about it instead of reactive. And typically, when you raise money, that's what they want you to spend it on anyway. It's like team. You know, you you can't say inventory. You never should say ads. But you you know, people. It's like I need to be able to hire this high level executive who does this, and this high level executive is going to make us double the money. You know what I mean? Like that's what they want to hear. So that's good. So, Gina, tell me an unpopular opinion you have about business. It could be fundraising. It could be running the business. It could be being cash flow positive, profitable, all the things. Like, whatever that is for you, tell me an unpopular opinion you have that everybody else pretty much, like, disagrees with. (laughs) (laughs) This is a good question, Kim. I'm trying to figure out how to formulate my opinion because... So there is there is a popular there is a school of thought that would say that we should be um, providing ancestry for everybody, and that we should expand our service offering to be able to tell anybody their ancestry. And I don't, I'm not doing that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not doing that. I fundamentally disagree with that. Mm. I don't think that you have. I think you can do just fine selling something for the benefit of black people to black people only. Mm. Um, and, 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 and why is that? Well, our company is proof positive. Yeah, that's true. We've been here for 20 years now. We're not where, you know, we could be or someone might think we should be, but we're here and we compete against, this is my favorite statistic to, to share in 2022, 23 and me ended the year with $552 million in cash. Mm. That's after they lost $219 million. Mm. This is who we're competing with. Right. In the minds of the public, we're competing with companies that have never had to be profitable. That's true. It's a different game. It's yeah. a totally different game. And so... And we and we do it, even though we we're outspent by gazillions of dollars, even though our price point is significantly higher than than theirs. And they have come in and defined the narrative for ancestry testing for for all people, including black people. But we're still here. Have you ever considered getting the government to pay for these tests as like reparations for black folks? Uh, So that is a, a popular uh, school of thought too. Popular <laughs> opinion that the government should pay for this, and we have not we have not gone after government funding. And I'll tell you, there are two reasons. 
The first reason is I, I'm going to make up a percentage. At least 20% of the people say, what are you going to do with my DNA? I'm not giving you my DNA because I don't want the government to have it. So I can't Everybody imagine. got this DNA. Look, look you, when you're born. You be drinking off of water fountains and all the things. You know what I mean? You go to bars. That bartender got your DNA. Okay? Like, people are so funny. But it's it's real. Like, it's real. I I just came off of traveling and, and presenting to large groups of people. And so many people have come up to me and said, I've wanted to do this, but I haven't because I didn't want my DNA to be banked. And now that I know you don't do that that you destroy it now I'm going to take your test so if if we if we said the government was going to pay for it I just feel like that is another oh, hurdle that people going to be like well if the government's paying for it then you must have to give it to them and then the second part of that is um, I think it's more effective to work with people who are leading the reparations conversations and yeah. supporting them with information whatever it is rather than to be on the front lines yeah more wow. conservative like that Gina, is there anything else you want our listeners to know the audience to, a message you want to leave them with that you think is important for them to have have mm-hmm. what's there that is. <laughs> there is well give it to me there is <laughs> it's like you had treasure on the tip of your tongue there is there is you know what? There was a we revealed a nine year old girl, and she was so excited, Kim. I mean, she I I was excited because she was so excited, and she said, "It's like treasure." Oh. She was waiting for this answer, and she felt like it was treasure. Um, yeah, I, I want your listeners to understand the importance of supporting black owned businesses locally owned businesses and women owned businesses. Mm. I think that it's critically important that we support businesses whenever we can. Businesses like ours. Yeah. Um, I, of course, I'm going to say black first, but I'm not sure who your audience is. Oh, I mean, <laughs> your my, audience my, is going to be everybody. Maybe, but all my guests have been black women. So, you know, <laughs> you know, it is what it is. But. Um, yeah, it, it's really important because our businesses, your business, my business, we're selling something for people who look like us. Yeah. And so we need people who look like us to buy our products. And it's so easy to make the decision to support a black owned business that has a quality product yeah. that is useful for you. Yeah. When in 2018, our business tripled. Mm. We went from $710,000 a year in 2017 to $2.1 million in 2018. And that was because of Chadwick Bozeman mm. and The Breakfast Club. Yes. So he went on The Breakfast Club and basically did a three-minute commercial for African Ancestry. We were not friends. We met once in 2009 when wow. he took the test. And it was just like, hey, nice to meet you and. There was before Jackie Robinson and Thurgood and all right. those, right? Wow. And he went on that platform the week that he was doing all the press for Black Panther and talked about AfricanAncestry.com and made it very clear that he wasn't talking about any other dot-coms, AfricanAncestry.com. Mm. And then the Breakfast Club let us use that as a clip Wow. in advertising. And our business tripled. He didn't have to do that. Right. But he thought it was important to 
support our business. And the, the way he chose to do it was on a national, pla- international platform. And so I consider him, You, when I told you we haven't raised any money, he's an angel investor, for real, for real. Oh, yeah, he's an angel, yes. That's why I call him an angel investor. Aww. So he can do that. He did that for us. We can do that for us, too. I wish I could clap, but I'm holding my alcohol. <laughs> Cheers. Gina, you have been amazing. Where can the people find you? Where can they follow you? They can follow me at African Ancestry on social media, at Gina Page DNA on social media, and AfricanAncestry.com. I love it when you walk on stage and you play, I got loyalty, got royalty inside my DNA. Anyway, (laughs) thank you guys so much for watching. We've had a blast talking to Gina Page from AfricanAncestry.com. I will see you guys on the next episode of More Rounds. Cheers.